as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. The uh, governor of Texas has notified the Texas legislature that a third special session will begin October the 9th, which is next Tuesday, a late September letter addressed to the governor, because this is all real formal, right? They don't, I guess he didn't get his cell phone and do a three-way cellular conversation. Hey, we're going to meet next, uh, um, which would be something. So the uh, special session is to deal with or to focus on public education. You know that he wanted, the governor wanted to get so-called, well, either education savings accounts or something other than what we have now. And legislature's never gone for it. A big bunch of Republican reps have never gone for it. They don't think it's in the interest of their district. So um, it failed again. Monty Exter is a, a lobbyist for, I don't know what his official title is, but he goes, my understanding is he goes up to Capitol Hill. He's got his own parking place and they all know him and goes in and tries to convince state representatives and senators to see it, uh, the associated, the ATPE way. Thanks for being with us. What uh, what have I missed or misrepresented or shouldn't have said about what's going to happen next week? Well, I love my own parking place, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think that that's right. Uh, you know, what you were saying, the, the governor has let the leadership of both the House and the Senate uh, know that it is his intention to call a yet another um, taxpayer-funded, very expensive special session. Now, you can leave uh, that part out. The third you? one. <laughs> <laughs> the third one we've had since the regular session just a few months ago. Uh, the The plan had been for a long time that this session would be uh, pretty much all about uh, education and primarily uh, yeah. with the intention of trying to pass a voucher bill, maybe throw a few other issues in there as carrots uh, to entice the the legislature to pass that bill, because as you mentioned, they uh, have not ever um, come really particularly even close to passing um, such a bill. However, in uh, recent days, uh, additional items seem to be getting added to the session that are outside of education. So that, that's, you can read into that what you will um, about um, the, the change in direction yeah. uh, about the session. What, what's been explained to me since I've never been in the room when this happens or anything like that, the governor says, here's what I want you to vote in favor of. And people either go, yes, that's great. Or they say, well, I, I could vote in favor of that if I got, um, let's say 20 more DPS troopers assigned to Hidalgo County. The governor says, done. I'll make sure that it happens. Okay, governor, you got my vote on this thing that I would not otherwise have voted for if I had not gotten this 
minor league bribe, I guess, I guess is one tacky way to put it. So he can, the governor can go through and take a body of people who aren't going to vote his way, but he gives them what they want and they go ahead and vote his way. Is that how you understand it happens or should happen? Or so happen? the governor definitely has the ability to help prioritize things that individual members want in order to try to entice them or in the case of a special session to add things to the call. But but really, a lot of times, too, because of the way that that our state works, the legislature really has a lot of the power to direct all the things that you were talking about. Um, a lot of times what the the, leg- the governor will hold over the legislature's head are sticks, not carrots. So oh. I'm going to veto your bill if you don't do what I want, <laughs> or I'm going to run somebody against you in a primary and fund them out of my giant war chest if you don't do what I want. Um, you know, things of, uh. of that particular nature. Yeah, I had a, uh, we're talking with Monty Exter, who is a lobbyist for the, the association, associ- uh, ATPE, asso- what is it? Associate, I've talked Association of Texas Professional Educators. That's what I thought. I, don't know, I should not second guess myself. All those teachers that you know and love. That's right. That's right. Um, how do you find out who's, or how can you find out who's being given special consideration or, does the governor's office take a head count? Okay, we're starting this Monday and we got this number of votes against us, this number for us. Here's where we think these people are, where they can be persuaded. Is that is that realistic? Yeah, I mean, so the governor definitely, uh, in much the same way as other folks, even like myself, um, goes and has conversations with individuals or small groups of legislators uh, and just talks to them and says, you know, where are you at? Uh, I think you should be here. Sometimes they'll give him back an answer. Sometimes they won't, Um, you know, and so it it is that kind of a conversational uh, relationship. And it's not like he's just starting on Monday. He's been talking to them. He's been talking to them since before last January. Uh, He's continued to talk to them through the summer and there's really not been any indication that the numbers are changing. Do you know, obviously I'm, I'm looking for granular stuff like, come on, Monty, what do I got to do to get your vote? Or Monty, if you don't <laughs> vote my way, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. You know, I watch a lot of, watch a lot of trashy television, so I can imagine it all different kinds of ways. Do you know? I mean, you, you this not made that be something you're privy to. I mean, he's been really clear out on social media, right, to say, in fact, in in the press conference that he held, what was it now, a week and a half ago or so, mm-hmm. he, he had been saying, right, I'm going to keep bringing you back for special after special after special until I get my way. That in and of itself is a threat because the legislature doesn't really get paid to be in Austin or at least not very much. And so they like to go home when they're not supposed to be yeah. here for regular session. So that's one thing. But in that, in that press conference, he came out and said, I'm going to bring them back this time. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to bring them back one more time. Yeah. And if I still don't get what I want, then we're going to go out and, you know, effectively primary everybody that didn't give me what I wanted. Uh, and, you know, for those who don't know, that means I'm going to find the candidate to run against you Mm-hmm. and try to unelect you in the next election. Do you all have any sense of how the first 
vote, however that's going to present itself, is going to be like what the vote count's going to be. Yeah, you, um, we don't have a we don't have a bill yet, so it's hard to know how it's going to. Right, it's a little hard without a bill, that's for sure. Although the Senate's been pretty clear that they're just going to put forward basically the bill that didn't pass in the regular session, um, with maybe a few more things thrown into it. Uh, like I said, there's really been no indication that the numbers in the House have really changed at all. And, and it was a pretty solid majority that voted against vouchers just, just a few months ago during the regular session. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're talking a long time ago that these people all took a vote on this issue. Um, and if anything, from the conversations that we've been having, we've actually picked up a few votes um, or the governor, I guess to say it another way, has lost a few votes. In addition just, to that, the House and the Senate are majorly yeah. at odds right now. So that, that makes yeah. it harder for them to, to come to any consensus on any kind of bill of any variety. Uh, what the, the governor wants briefly forget what he might get, but what is the, what's on the table that the governor wants? And I suppose the Lieutenant governor in significant parts of Texas want, but what do they, what do they want to happen? So really what the governor is calling for, and maybe even more so what the lieutenant governor is calling for, is for a universal voucher. Um, and what that means is we're going to take your tax dollars, my tax dollars, everybody's tax dollars, and we're going to say uh, to each individual uh, family that has a school kid out there, you can take my tax dollars and you can use them uh, to go to a private school. You can use them to buy whatever you think um, is appropriate curriculum and homeschool your kid or buy um, supplemental materials, whether you're sending your child to a private school or trying to homeschool them yourself. Um, there's no accountability attached to that in terms of uh, both public accountability in terms of the fact that neither obviously a homeschool nor a private school has elected officials that are analogous to a school board, right? We elect the people that make decisions about how public schools run on a very local basis, nor is there um, the kind of accountability that we all sort of think of when we hear that word now in the form of a star test that lets the public know how the, the school theoretically is doing. Um, neither one of those exists. <clears throat> uh, well, there, let me ask you, because we're running out of time. I, yeah. I, I heard someone say, and I want to ask you, because I don't know that it's true or not, that that under proposed legislation, which there's not proposed, there's not been nothing introduced, that certain, right now, public schools, Macau School District has to, uh, has to provide a certain amount of material and tell people how money is spent or not spent or who gets a raise or all it's it's open books pretty much open books now it's not that way necessarily in charter schools but that private schools i've heard that people say yeah we'll we'll hold if we do vouchers the recipients of those vouchers will be held to the same open meetings open record standards as texas public schools do you know that to be true or not yeah that i would say is absolutely not going to be true um there is definitely no financial accountability system that's associated with private schools. 
private schools have been very clear that they would not accept a financial accountability system being part of a of a voucher bill. Now, there would probably be some sort of anti-fraud measures um, that would be attached to the type of voucher they're talking about to make sure that parents don't go out and buy like flat screen TVs or pay for part of a new truck um, with money, which is are things that happened with similar programs in Arizona. <laughs> oh, you're oh golly. Uh, well, I withdraw the proposed joke that was in my mind about free, you know, season tickets to the Cowboys. Uh, yes, that's yeah. educational. That's educational. Yeah, right. Learning about football. <laughs> um, and also, since right at the very end, you you told me when I called you that uh, the governor is going to introduce some border security stuff, which will be in the mix. So somebody might go for the border security stuff, or they might get. And I'm going to quit talking right now about that. Um, since I'm I'm confounding my own self. So there's going to be more in the mix, including border security stuff. That's right. I think there's going to be some additional things added to the call. And those additional things, border security namely, um, are things that are very likely to pass, where the voucher, I think, is pretty unlikely to pass. And so, you know, that that would give the governor a win, even if what he originally intended to put in the call did not give him a win. Uh, Monty Extra, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Stay cool, which you're going to be able to do because you got a cool front coming there. Cool front anyway. Uh, and thank you again. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in the future. Monty Extra works for the uh, uh, ATPE, Association of Texas Professional Educators. All these years, I could rattle that off until this afternoon. Association of Texas Professional Educators. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. Yep, our next guest uh, is in charge of an office most of you have never heard of, but it's, uh, it's real important in getting highways, roadways planned and funded. And here to tell us, uh, and he's leaving. He's leaving. He's going back wherever he came from. We're not running him off. He's running himself off. Andrew Cannon has been with the uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization for, is it 20 years now, Andrew? Almost 20 combined. Yes, sir. Wow. Um, and I'm sure it's a bittersweet, a bittersweet feeling after everything, right? It is. Uh, 16 years with the Hidalgo County MPO and almost four with the Rio Grande Valley MPO. Now I've been, I've been very, very fortunate and I'm, I'm very honored that board selected me to do this for so long. Do you remember how you got into the job? Oh yeah. I worked for uh text dot and, uh, transportation planning and programming. And there we had coordinators, if you will, with Austin, with the MPOs, it was done a little bit differently. And I would fly down here on a regular basis. I had the Valley, I had Lubbock, I had Houston. 
And I was here at a board meeting when the previous director announced that uh, he was stepping down. He no longer wanted to be in charge. And I told my wife, I said, you know, I think I might have the knowledge to stick my toes in the pool and see, and I came down and Ken Jones was the executive director of the Lower Rio oh, yeah. Valley Development Council at the time, and uh, Polo Palacios Mayor Farr was the chairman of the NPO board, and they interviewed me. It's, oh. it's neat to, to be able to step forward for that, because a lot of times, positions like that, everybody else is taking a step back, and they kind of just leave you out there, hanging to dry. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's right, go ahead. I think it's probably appropriate for you to explain what the Metropolitan Planning Organization does. How, how is it different from um, or how does it compare to the Texas Department of Transportation? So, so go. Sure, sure. More than anything, we see ourselves as the conduit between the elected officials on the MPO that make up the MPO and the general public. You know, back in the days, uh, state. And local governments would get together and decide how to expend federal and state dollars. And there may not have been, you know, a whole lot of public input. And federal highways and the government said, hey, hold on. You know, really, these are people's taxpayer dollars. We need to have an entity. So that's when the MPOs came into formation in areas larger than 50,000 in urbanized areas. And we work in coordination with our local governments, federal highway, federal transit, and tech stock to plan for and promote projects to get them moving forward so they can go to construction. I've, I've heard it said that the MPO, Metropolitan Planning Organization, because it's federal, it has to approve of something before it can happen. Is that, is that true? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we approve the funding, uh, you know, depending on the category, text.com comes to us with, or to the policy board, I should say, with their own, categories of funding and say these are the projects and they look for consensus from the board and we do have federal funding that comes directly to the MPO because we're above the 200,000 population benchmark and the elected officials decide what projects to place that money on to move them forward and then we work with those local governments or TxDOT whatever it may be to make sure you know the right-of-way process the environmental process the engineering process everything moves forward to finally get to the point where the projects go into construction. So are we, as you prepare to leave, are we here, well, here in South Texas, I don't know how big your your um, your bailiwick is, but are we in a good position, bad position, what? I think we're in a great position. Uh, the RGV MPO does planning for Cameron, Hidalgo, and a portion of Star County. Uh, when I started here, um, we may have been getting about $500 million in construction funds annually. Uh, we're now at about $3.5 billion. Wow. Um, so wow. that has definitely uh, the fruit of the merger and those elected officials who were a part of that has definitely proven itself. Uh, there's been other projects like the IBTC, $200 plus million uh, that the TxDOT Commission committed discretionary funds to the MPO put money on it, their safety money on it. That's a major project connecting the far bridge with interstate two and the Donna bridge to interstate two as well. So yeah, um, we've grown. I think we have the recognition at the table now, of course, with uh, Alex Mead as a tech stock commissioner, true representation of South Texas on the commission, one of five. And we have our own local boy, if you will, 
uh, on the commission. So that's definitely going to be good for us. Somebody that's familiar with the wants and the needs of the area. Yeah. Um, I think times have really changed over the last 20 years. Andrew Absolutely. Cannon is uh, executive director at uh, Rio Grande Valley MPO, joining us on 710KURV, though not for long. He'll be he'll be taking his leave fairly soon. And uh, just to give us an idea, uh, the MPO, about how far out does the planning go into the future? How far ahead do you all look? I have to do a minimum of 25 years. Wow. That's a federal That's mandate. Astounding. So, yeah, where, you know, we put, so we what put does that vision look like in 25 really years? 10 years? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, yeah. our, population, our population is going to double in size. Uh, there's going to be greater connectivity, I think, with Mexico. The commerce isn't going to slow with Mexico, so we have to find ways to improve um, upon the congestion situations that we have on our international bridges for freight and for passenger vehicles. Um, there's always going to be consideration of things like light rail. Transit's going to have to come together uh, and work more cohesively so we can move people more seamlessly across the valley. Um, I think we have a lot of opportunities on the table for the valley in the next 20, 25 years and a lot of good Among, projects on the horizon. Uh, amongst all the cities that are <laughs> collaborating with, with this, which ones are, I guess, what, would you call them star players or does everybody kind of have their own um, niche area of expertise that they that they lend to this? Well, I mean, honestly, I think they're all star players. They have all got projects that are important to their area, which then somehow impact the region, and they're working to move them forward, whether it's FAR with the IBTC project or Brownsville with the East Loop that's going to connect the port with Veterans Bridge, the second causeway uh, up near the Harlingen area, uh, the loop that the RMA, Hidalgo County RMA is working on uh, to get around the county. So, I mean, they're all stars in their own right minds. They've got local priorities, but they're trying to work collaboratively. God, that that one hurt. uh, As well, to get regional projects out. They really are. Who's the... Who's the shot caller? Is there any? Is there one person who every time has to say yes, or does the ultimate authority change from project submission to project submission? It, it changes from submission to submission. I think that, um, you know, I really can't remember the last time my board had a split vote on anything. I think uh, staff worked really hard to try to, educate and inform the elected officials as these projects are getting prepared to be voted on on what's their you know importance to the region why should they vote for this and uh, we work with their staff to try to make sure to educate and inform them as well so when we get to the policy board they're ready to sit there and go okay well you know my staff likes the idea the rp the mpo staff like the idea uh, TxDOT likes the idea of this project, so yeah, I guess we're going to vote for it and move it forward because everybody has a consensus that these are I, the best projects to move forward with. I, I got I got less than a minute here, but but I'm curious where where are you heading and the next guy coming in? Where is he coming from? I don't know who the next person coming in will be. Uh, the board hasn't said. Um, they haven't even announced an interim director. I am heading back to the Austin area to uh, be with family. And I'll be working with TechStart up in the Austin area. Oh, well, Very I mean, nice. good luck well, with that. That 
that but they I'm needed you 30 years ago. <laughs> Done it 30 years ago. I could be retired now, but yeah, there's a need to get back home for family. We had some unfortunate situations in family earlier in the year and, uh, yeah, everything here is great. The pay is great. The people are great, but really we just need to focus on family. We need to get back home and spend as much time as we can with them. 10-4. Well, hey, God bless you, and thanks for the work that Thank you put you, in over these two decades. Appreciate your time here with us today. That's Andrew Cannon, Executive Director at Rio Grande Valley MPO, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. I love your show. Hello. Hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you. Talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she the judge? To stand up to do something. Thank you. The Valley's only news talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Davis Rankin, do me the honor of introducing our next guest. Well, let me give you a little background first. It won't take but two two minutes. We know that the governor, Governor Abbott, has called a special session of the legislature in Texas. The governor is the only one who can do that, and he says what they get to deal with. He alone lays out the agenda. The agenda so far is um, school vouchers, school choice, and what that means will be defined when they get together. but it is thought to believe, and my guess, our guest may have more information, uh, being able to get state money, state dollars to send your kid to a private school, which would include a Catholic, Baptist, Muslim, Hindu, or heathen school. Uh, the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which has long supported separation of church and state, uh, has issued a statement uh, opposing what the governor wants on the 15th. The governor says he wants all. I tell you what, I'm going to let Julio do this. He Thank is you, a David. trained pastor. We'll <laughs> do a much better job. Julio Guarneri is uh, the uh, pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in McAllen and the new executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Uh, Julio, tell us tell us what the deal is. Thank you, uh, Davis, for uh, having me yes, on. You know, I think that, you know, obviously there's two, two issues here. One is the, uh, so-called school choice or voucher agenda, uh, that the governor is, is bringing for this special session and how that, uh, relates to separation of church and state. And then there is, uh, perhaps the, you know, um, even more concerning issue is of his calling uh, pastors to bring it to the pulpit on October 15th and uh, speak to their congregations about this agenda. And uh, it just seems to conflate um, government interest and a legislative agenda with religious liberty. And uh, I think um, kind of just going out of the bounds of mm-hmm. what the governor should be focusing on and uh, encouraging pastors 
of, of churches, religious organizations that sh- should not be under uh, the direction of the government to promote a legislative agenda from the pulpit. Is it appropriate then to ask you, do you have a problem, you, Julio Guarneri, with state money going in some fashion to, to vouchers, which would then be turned over to St. John's Episcopal or Our Lady of Sorrows or, you know, you name it? Yeah, I, I personally do. Uh, I have a problem because those are tax dollars. It's public money, and public money should go to public education, not to support private education. I, I believe private education is great, and uh, and we should, but we should support it with private dollars. And so, uh, whether you know it's a Christian school or a Muslim school or a Mormon school or or any other thing, you know, I, I don't think we should take the public. Uh, dollars and apply them to that for one yeah. secondly i think it defunds our public education which is already underfunded and so it, it just hurts those who cannot afford to go to a private school um and so so i definitely think that you know there's a conflict there if there's no if, if there's no accountability for those dollars then that's not good use of the money if there's accountability, then you have government interference in religious affairs. Yeah, that is it. I'm I'm right when I say the Baptist Baptist in Texas is in my adulthood have always been allergic to any government participation in worship or uh, religious affairs. They just want, even when it would benefit Christian churches, they just, they don't want any part of it. Yeah, I would right. say that is the 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 mostly the the historical traditional Baptist position. You know, I've learned, you know, in my years of being a Baptist that you cannot speak for all Baptists. Um, but I, I think that is the the traditional uh, position. Uh, separation church and state. Uh, it comes from our history, from from yeah. when when Baptists were persecuted and were a minority. Uh, and when the state favor other denominations, and and we retain that, at least at least most of yeah. us have. Julio Guarneri yeah, is a- is the long long term uh, pastor, senior pastor at uh, Calvary Baptist in McAllen, uh, and he's um, he's on his way out. That's right. He's he's going to become the head of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, which is a heck of a big deal. When do you start your your new post? So my my official start date is uh, November thirtieth, uh, and so I'm I'm going to be here at Calvary for the rest of the month of October, and then transition out uh, to to Dallas. Okay, uh, uh, Zach, did you have anything? Well, I was I was mentioning everybody seems to be in favor of the government wielding a religion until it's a religion that's not their own. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's when the problems start happening. Yeah, absolutely. And that's yes. why that's why it's really easy to just. I mean, listen. I know the governor needs votes on this, right? And I understand that he's probably thinking that every little bit helps, and he's right. probably thinking this is a, a a keen strategy for help for 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 some for a boost to help him get the idea over, right? But you know, at the at at the same time, I mean, if this if this was any other religion being asked to assist in a in a political endeavor uh, i'm sure that they'd be raked over the coals for this particular thing now he's got a he's got a different kind of 
discussion that he needs to have in selling school choice because it's not and i've been saying this since the beginning he's got to find some way to sell this that is a little bit more secular that way people have a an idea that is a little bit more instinctual in in the way that they feel about it in the way that that, that it resonates with them i think and maybe that's what he's trying to do by invoking the hitting the religion button yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's you know, people are concerned about trends in public education. They're concerned about uh, you know, moral values, and and uh, and so all that I think is legitimate. Uh, but I I don't think that this is the solution for that. I think that th- there are other ways of arriving at educational solutions for for our children, particularly if Christians are concerned about education. I think that we can find solutions that can. Uh, can be legitimate for for our children without um, violating our principle of separation of church and state. I mean, this would look different if it was in Utah or if it was in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, and so, you know, we just have to remember that uh, freedom of religion is freedom for all people. And um, uh, and, you know. and while we maintain that, I think uh, we protect ourselves. Do you, do you have any... Um, I, I don't pretend to know uh, Pastor Guarneri very, very well at all. Don't know his political point of view or how much he follows it. But do you have a an opinion about what your fellow Baptist pastors going to do? Because it seems to me if they stand firm in this, then that will buttress those uh, particularly rural Republicans and maybe even some inner city Democrats to to resist what the governor wants. Well, um, you know, I, I know that there are a lot of Baptist pastors who have been vocal and have opposed the vouchers. There's uh, a, a group or coalition of pastors that is called Pastors for Texas Children. Uh, Charlie Johnson uh, leads that group. I also know that there are other Baptist pastors who probably favor uh, this initiative. Uh, and obviously, as Baptists, one of, uh, another one of our uh, ideals is local church autonomy. So yeah. uh, even as the uh, executive director of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, I don't get to tell churches what to do. Uh, every church is autonomous. And um, and so there is a uh, difference of opinion on this particular issue. And so it's going to be kind of hard to tell uh, how, yeah. how most of them will go. All right. Well, um, with your indulgence, we'll we'll bid you farewell for this evening and perhaps have you back again. Um, I would think by the time you go to your new post, the decision will have, the, the legislature will have made its decision, whatever it is. Uh, Calvary Baptist mm-hmm. Pastor Julio Guarneri, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Zach, anything before we go? You're listening to News Talk 710 KURV or 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. 
This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Back to the border. That's what we're talking about. Yes, they're bringing back the wall. The big, beautiful wall, my baby. Yes, they're going to take care of it. Here's what's happening. The Lighthouse earlier today said that they were bringing back the wall because there was an acute and... Uh, an acute, not acute... An acute and immediate need to waive dozens of federal laws to build the border wall in parts of Texas because there's been a surge of illegal immigration. No. So then the White House had to come back and clarify its position. Listen, we really don't want to do this, but uh, we couldn't find some other way to uh, reappropriate the funds. Congress didn't want to do it, so now we got to do something about it. The funds are there to build it. Now we have to build it. Here is uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre earlier today. We we believe that there are better effective ways of moving forward to secure our border and security, we, our border security, and we have continuously asked for Congress uh, to act. These funds have been appropriated since 2019 to wow. build the section of the wall in the Rio Grande Valley. She says Congress refused to move those funds somewhere else, and the president doesn't believe that a border wall is effective, yet here we are. In uh, contrast to a statement from DHS, saying that there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers in the area due to the spike in unlawful entries. Uh, Biden promised during his 2020 campaign he would not build another foot of wall during his administration. Now, if you ever needed an opportunity or an angle to remove Biden as the as the as the incumbent in a primary. <laughs> if you ever if you were ever looking for a reason to get rid of him, cycle him out and get somebody younger in that spot. This would probably be it because I'm pretty sure a lot of D's hear that news and are very upset by this. They're feeling betrayed, I'm sure. Yes. But but uh, something we've been watching here at 17 KRV, this uh, this is just this was just sent to me by a friend, uh, Homeland well, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas today backtracked from Biden administration statements made this week citing the need to waive WAIVE set aside dozens of federal laws to build a border wall in South Texas. I want to address today's reporting relating to a border wall and be absolutely clear, said Mayorkas. There's no new administration policy with respect to border how is it again? Walls. So big, so beautiful, it's a wall. From no, but I'm, I'm encapsulating because we don't have a lot of time, Davey, that it's so basically, what it, the policy is not that they're in favor of walls. The policy is that they couldn't get Congress to do anything else with that appropriated money, and they need to do something with it. So there's no new policy, but they're going to have to be building some wall up in Star County. Yes, isn't it great? So beautiful. How tall do you think the wall is going to be, Davey Do? How tall Dave would you Arino. like it? How, how tall would you like it to be? I mean, that's you know. Uh, anyway, back to the the border here. So let me see. Let me move down a little bit here. Okay. President Biden, President Sleeper Joe Biden says border walls don't work. Just as he approved to build more border wall in southern Texas, he says his hands were tied because he couldn't put the money anywhere. Else. I tried to get them to reappropriate to redirect that money. They didn't. They wouldn't. And in the meantime, there's nothing under the law other than they have to use the money for what is appropriate. 
I can't stop that. Remember, this was done in 2019. It's 2023, and they couldn't figure it's it out. They couldn't figure time. it out. It took them that long to figure out, hey, we can't do anything else with that money. We might as well just build the wall. Well, they were waiting uh, for it. The Biden administration says yeah. they're waiving a bunch of laws to allow the wall construction in this so-called policy reversal, though I don't know if it's a policy reversal. They're, they're doing it begrudgingly. It's Stark County, like... That's where they're building the wall. North, along the river north of Rio Grande City is what I saw, like from there past Roma to the Zapata line. Maybe we can do the show up there. You think we can get Wi-Fi? Biden was asked if border walls work, just as he approves more border wall funding in southern Texas. No. <laughs> Thank you very much for cutting it. That's like the that. shortest answer of any uh, politician so ever. Let me take you back to yesterday in Chicago. Texas bust more than 10,000 illegal immigrants to Chicago. That, that wasn't sitting well with some of the residents there. There was some pushback on a proposed plan to turn a local community field house into a shelter. And here's what they said in Chi-Town. We're not anti-migrants, but it shouldn't be on our backs. <laughs> We're not anti-migrants. But it shouldn't be on our back. So for, fast forward to now, Mayor Brandon Johnson planning to visit the southern U.S. border in order to witness the migrant crisis firsthand. He says they need to assess the situation, but didn't specify when and where he's going to be making that. We trip. still have public safety that we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. And I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of the city of Chicago. I am going to the border as soon as possible. Who is this again? This is the, the black mayor wife? of Chicago. Well, I'm. I guess it's good he has a black wife and black children. Why would he say that? Does it sound he's funny? He's he has a lot on his plate, and now he's got to deal with this. Okay. He, he stopped short of calling our governor a madman like Eric Adams did up there in New York. Anyway, you're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.